Welcome to Cases and Controversies, a Supreme Court podcast by Bloomberg Law. I'm Kimberly Robinson. And I'm Jordan Rubin. And Jordan, it looks like we actually have a full sitting for the month of April, which um, is something rare at the court these days. Uh, There are two arguments each day, which hasn't happened since we kicked off the term in October. But before we get to that, should we talk about court backing? Let's do it. It's made some news even since the last time we talked about this. On the last episode, we mentioned Justice Breyer speaking out against court packing. A couple things happened since then. Biden unveiled a commission to study a host of court reforms, including packing, term limits, and other issues. The other thing that happened this week is Democrats introduced court packing legislation to increase the Supreme Court size to 13 But even Democrats aren't on board at this point. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senate Judiciary Chair Dick Durbin both said they're not ready to sign on to that now. So, Kimberly, I guess that means we're left with the commission now. But what's that actually going to do? Well, the commission is supposed to hold public meetings and then um, submit a report. Uh, in 180 days after the first public meeting. It's comprised of 36 members, so I'm glad that I'm not on that Zoom call. It's packed. It's packed. Um, But as you said, it's supposed to be looking at some potential reforms uh, for the Supreme Court, so it's not limited to just expanding the number of seats, but also includes things like term limits and um, jurisdiction stripping and, you know, some analysis on how those things can get done. Will it take a constitutional amendment? amendment will just require, um, you know, legislation, like expanding the number of justices on the court. Um, So that's all something that they're going to look at. Uh, They're not looking at the lower courts and the possibility of expanding the numbers there. So uh, we may see some additional information from the Biden administration on that. So for now, it's a victory for Justice Breyer Mm -hmm. and other proponents of the status quo. You know, I mean, I think it really depends on who you ask. So if you ask, uh, you know, some people on the right and the left, it's not going to do anything because it's made up of mostly academics who don't really, you know, have an interest in seeing, you know, an expanded court. I think one of the major criticisms from those on the left is that it doesn't actually have any real stakeholders involved. It's mostly people in academia, although there are a few um, people who are not from academia. Also, people on the left and right saying that it's going to change the Supreme Court radically. And so um, really no consensus on whether or not this is an effective or good or bad thing. It's just a thing. Speaking of things, should we talk about some stuff? (laughs) Let's do it since we actually have a full load this week. The first one on Monday deals with COVID relief and tribal governments in consolidated cases about the CARES Act. That's the Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act. It provides relief to tribal governments, but the question here is whether Alaska Native corporations count as Indian tribes. And there's a statutory interpretation argument that the justices are going to have to sort out there, and how they do could impact hundreds of millions of dollars in CARES Act funding, and it could also have some broader implications for federal Indian law. And then the second case on Monday, Kimberly, that deals with immigration, right? That's right. So this is one of several immigration cases that the justices have before it. This one involves temporary protected status, or TPS, which is granted to individuals whose home countries are in a humanitarian crisis. So the petitioners here are from El Salvador. Uh, Other countries on the list, though, include places like Haiti, Honduras, South Sudan, and Yemen. 
And one amicus says that there are about 400,000 people uh, with TPS status in the United States. And um, they typically live in the U.S. for long periods of time, even though these are called temporary protected status. Uh, So the petitioners here have been living in New Jersey for more than 20 years. So the question for the justices in this case is whether those with DPS status can apply for what's known as an adjustment of status uh, to become a lawful permanent resident, also known as a green card holder, um, if they entered the United States illegally initially. To get an adjustment of status uh, to be a green card holder, which has you know better um, benefits for non-citizens, uh, you must have been, quote, inspected and admitted to the U.S. So the petitioners here, a married couple, Jose Santos Sanchez and Sonia Gonzalez both entered the country illegally, but later obtained TPS status. And the Third Circuit said that a later grant of TPS status doesn't change that they initially were never admitted into the United States. So this is a statutory interpretation case. Um, And one interesting thing to note is that this kind of This has been the federal government's position for decades now, but they didn't actually get this ruling until the Trump administration. Um, But the Biden administration has not changed positions here. It is, um, you know, kind of consistent through Democratic and Republican um, administrations, something that, you know, we're going to see a lot, um, not only in immigration cases, but as we've talked about before, in criminal cases, too. Unity. Mm, Sure. Sure. Criminal cases are at the heart of Tuesday, right, Jordan? Can you tell us what's happening in those two cases? I can and I will. So Greer and Gary are the names of the defendants in these two cases that are both, as it happens, pretty similar. They both deal with fallout from last term's decision in Rahif. And in that case, Rahif, the court said that the government has to prove in gun cases not just that the defendant knew he possessed a firearm, but that he knew he wasn't allowed to possess a firearm. And the question in these cases, Greer and Gary, is how to deal with appellate review of these cases where the government obviously didn't satisfy the Rahif requirement because it didn't know it was a requirement yet. So did the government have to know that the person had to know that they had to know? Yeah, so... Greer was convicted at trial and Gary was convicted by plea. The government points out how common these types of convictions are in the federal system. So these are pretty technical cases about appellate review, but they can wind up affecting a bunch of other cases depending on how the court comes down. So Kimberly, what's happening on Wednesday, the final day of this, what will be a busy week for the justices, the busiest week they've had in a while. Yeah. So the first case that the Supreme Court is going to hear on Wednesday is City of San Antonio versus Hotels.com. This is a civil procedure case about taxable costs. Uh, This is a class action over the online travel company's collection of taxes, which several Texas municipalities say robbed them of millions of dollars in tax revenue, the way that they collected these taxes. And they initially won about $55 million, um, but that was overturned. And the question here are the appellate costs that the appellate court ordered that the petitioners pay. Um, Now, of course, these involve municipalities, so we're often talking about taxpayer money, but this was done on a contingent fee. So really here, it's just about um, whether or not these attorneys will have to pay this $2 million fee. Um, Now, the municipalities had asked 
the district court to lower that award. Uh, The district court said it didn't have any authority to alter the appellate court's order, and the Fifth Circuit affirmed. Notably, all other circuits in the country have gone the other way um, and said that district courts do have discretion. So one thing that stands out to me about this case is that the United States is just one of two amicus in the case, uh, both supporting the petitioner. And as they do whenever they file an amicus brief, they ask to argue. Uh, But this time around, the Supreme Court said, no, thank you. Um, We're good. We don't need you. But that's really rare. It's something that hadn't happened since 2011, uh, up until last year. And now it's happened twice in just under a year. So um, too early to say whether or not the Supreme Court's getting uh, a little more aggressive on pushing back on the Solicitor General arguing in like every case. I think this is the only case where they're not going to argue this week, right? Uh, So... Uh, something to watch. And then last is everybody's favorite, a patent case. Um, so a little something for everybody. So this one's Minerva Surgical versus Whole Logic. And in this case, the court will consider the reach of the so-called assigner estoppel. So bear with me, this says that the assigner of a patent can't later claim that a patent is invalid as a defense to patent infringement. So this makes sense, right? If I come up with a patent, I get it patented, and I give it to somebody else, and then I infringe that patent, I can't say, oh, that patent's invalid, right? Makes sense. Uh, But here, they're going to be looking at how broadly that sweeps, and they're going to be looking at the type of transaction. Was it made at arm's length, or is it you're being stopped because you're really in privity with somebody who assigned the patent? Um, And also, you know, whether or not the claims are identical um, to when they were assigned or what they or whether they've been broadened after the assignment. Um, So really just looking at how broadly or narrowly this estoppel doctrine is going to sweep. Privity. I hadn't heard of that one in a while. Law school flashbacks. Um, Before we uh, close out this episode, do you want to talk about uh, some of the justices have been making their way around Zoom? lately. Who do we have? Uh, Gorsuch and Sotomayor this week? Yeah. Uh, well, and Breyer, too. Uh, he was. We talked about him last week. Yeah, he's always... He's on Zoom all the time, I think, even like by himself. Yeah. So this one, um, I didn't actually listen to this one, but Lawrence Hurley over at Reuters had tweeted that um, at the beginning of the uh, Breyer's kind of presentation, he noted that they're not going to make any news. And I was like, well, that's rude. I mean, I know Breyer's sometimes boring, but he's like right there, you know. Um, I think what he meant was probably that they weren't going to talk about retirement or anything like that. And they didn't. But then later that same day, you're right, Sotomayor and Gorsuch uh, got together. This was the civics thing that they do and go around and talk about how people need to be more polite and do more social studies. Sony and I care deeply about this issue, and we talk, both of us, a lot about it. Um And we do, I think, because we share a a common conviction. Um, And I don't want to speak for you, Sonia, but I think on this one, we probably agree that you have to ask yourself, how can it... We don't agree that often on things. So this is... Not on other things, but this one... (laughs) Uh, Right. So civics education is kind of a pet project for both of them. This one was in the context of national security. And I think the thing that stuck out to me was that both of them (laughs) talked about misinformation on social media as a threat to national security. I guess that's true. I wonder how well positioned they are to weigh in on something like that. Well, I was like, how do they know? Are they on Twitter? Huh? So I think that'll do it for this week. Tune in next week for our sneak peek of the last week of the April sitting, which was going to be the last argument week of the term, but the justices are going to sneak in one more in May that we'll be 
talking to you all about. So until then, thanks for listening. And make sure to listen to our TikTok. Do you listen to a TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> and check out our TikTok. And tick out our TikTok. My name is David Schultz, and I'm here to announce On the Merits, a new podcast from Bloomberg Law that brings you everything you need to know about the biggest legal stories of the week, coupled with smart interviews and analysis on a variety of topics, such as the incoming Biden administration's judicial priorities. So I think diversity is is kind of the watchword here. We'll also keep our eyes on the Supreme Court. Now everyone is on Briar Watch. We're all watching to see when or if Justice Breyer is going to step down. You'll hear voices and perspectives from across the legal industry, including reporters and editors, attorneys, legal scholars, general counsel. But lest you think this podcast is all just news you can use, from time to time we stumble on a court docket or legal opinion that, for whatever reason, just piques our interest. And he started this opinion, 224th of it, citing the Passchendaele battle is one of the largest battles of World War One. Um, that seems like a strange way to start off an opinion on corporate law. You can download On the Merits wherever you get your podcasts.